Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. I've got an encouraging word for you today and really a call to action for the church. More than a sermon, what I have to say today is, I believe, a, um, a challenge from your pastor. And I'm, I'm looking for those that are going to join me in this next season uh, in, in prayerfulness, in prayerful expectation, that it can, are going to join me praying for the nation, its people, for our churches and our children. And so this today... It's a call to prayer. If you would open your Bibles, uh, we're going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and we're going to read this verse just to set the context today. Uh, famous verse, and it says this. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. If you've been listening to the past few weeks, months even, you know that this is the common theme that, that I've been weaving throughout all of the different sermons about the differences between the flesh and the spirit. The differences between Christ and culture, God and the world. If you read the Bible, you see this divide continually exposed throughout the New Testament. We are not here to win over, to win culture. Uh, the reality is we're called out of culture and our war is not against people. It's not against flesh and blood. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Speaking spiritually here, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion that is raised against the knowledge of God. There are lofty ideas, high intellect, strange thinking, odd theology that begins to lift itself up against God, challenges the authority of Scripture, the knowledge of God, the restoring power of God's incredible Word. And if you're not careful, if you're not careful about who you listen to, eventually you can, let me say, put it this way, you will always become like what you let in. You will become like who you listen to. Have you ever had a, a friend where you started getting around them, then you started picking up their mannerisms? You have to be careful what you're listening to who you're listening to, and the spirit behind whom you're listening to, because they might have some strange arguments, lofty opinions that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. But it's the knowledge of God that brings people to salvation. It's the knowledge of God that sets us free. It's the knowledge of God that becomes the principle and foundation where we can set our lives on the stable rock. No, what we do is we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. We take every thought captive, we bring it before Christ, and we say, now, if this thought is anti-Christ, I choose Christ every time. Christ over my emotions, Christ over my experiences, Christ over my past or my future. I take this thought, this way of thinking, this idea or ideal, and I bring it to Jesus. I bring it to the Word of God. I bring it to His Spirit, seeking discernment. And if it sets itself up against Christ, I let that go, and I cling to Jesus Christ. He is our all in all, our everything. And I believe that right now, there are many counterfeit gospels, counterfeit doctrines, counterfeit worships, False ideologies, false ideas that are trying to set themselves up against Jesus Christ. Last week I spoke to you about the story of uh, Jezebel, Ahab, and Elijah. And that's what I'm going to speak from the next few weeks. And 
and in, including today. If you missed last week's sermon, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it. It's a little long, but it's worth it. And you'll be able to get the context of what I feel God's speaking to me. I want you to know I'm a local church pastor. I love the church. I love the people of the church. But I, I do have some things that I feel God's putting on my heart to speak to the church, to call it to rise up, to call it out of fearfulness and call it to faithfulness. Now is the hour where the church is needed more than ever. We cannot be shut down and silent and scared. We must rise. Because make no mistake, there is a spirit of Jezebel that's rising. The spirit of Jezebel is anti-Christ and therefore anti-human. Because any spirit that hates God will also hate, hate God's creation. The spirit of Jezebel is lawlessness, manipulative and violent. It's trying to rise up over the whole earth, world. It, it, the whole earth is, is, is coming under this spirit. America is combating this spirit. But there's another spirit, and it's the spirit of Elijah. And the spirit of Elijah is sent by God as a response to the spirit of Jezebel. To stand up and speak the truth despite the consequence, despite the popularity, despite if it gets a chorus of boos or a chorus of amens. Elijah is God's response, but not just to Jezebel, also to her husband Ahab. Because see, there is no Jezebel without Ahab. The spirit of Jezebel rises when those who are anointed and appointed, the kings of God's people, choose to remain silent, scared. Ahab is a picture of abdication. So those are the three spirits that we see in this story in the book of Kings. We see the spirit of confrontation, that's on Elijah. We see the spirit of counterfeit worship that's on Jezebel, Baal worship. And we see the spirit of appeasement on Ahab, spirit of abdication. But I believe that God has called our church, the church, to have the spirit of Elijah on it, to have boldness, to know how to pray, to be courageous. Hear me. Listen, it's on you. It's on you. You know how to pray better than you think. You know how to have faith. You know how to declare you know how to speak good words over your future and over your children. God has not forgotten nor abandoned you. The, the world will not have its final say over you. The heavens are not closed to you. So rise up, men and women of God. The spirit of Elijah is on you. We are not going to cower or be cowardice in this moment. We are going to be the church of Jesus Christ that he has created us to be. And I believe the spirit of God is on his church right now, and I believe it's on awakening. And I believe the season that we are in is a season of preparation for spiritual confrontation. We're in a season of preparation for spiritual confrontation. God's goal is to create a victorious church. Make no mistake, he returns for a victorious bride. We will not be silent, fearful. We will not give over all of our authority to those that are anti-Christ. We are going to rise up as a people, as a church, as a movement. 
to take the authority that Jesus Christ gave to me. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, you now go and make disciples of all people. He didn't just call us to have lots of attendance. He called us to make disciples. He taught us to teach them to obey all of his commands, not those that are expedient, not those that fit in with modern culture. Obey all of his commands to baptize people, to proclaim his name, to proclaim the good news of Jesus. And And I'm calling you today, church, to come back to that original calling, to come into a place of prayer, to stand among Jesus for the salvation of this world. Can you say amen? You might be saying, well, what does that all mean? What does it all mean? Well, let's go to the book of 1 Kings chapter 17. Let's look at the story. Now, don't forget, Elijah has been risen up by God to confront Jezebel. He came into Ahab's court. And he proclaimed a, a period of time that's going to be a drought until Elijah says the word. And that's when rain is going to come again. What Elijah was doing is saying, seeing that you've abandoned God and you are already in a spiritual drought, I'm going to show you what it looks like physically. Now, from that place, our story picks up. 1 Kings 17, verse 2, And the word of the Lord came to him, Elijah, and said, Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went, and he did according to the word of the Lord. He went, and he lived by the brook Cherith, that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up, because there was no rain in the land. So here we find Elijah had just confronted Ahab, Jezebel, and now he's called to the secret place. This hidden place, this place that God has prepared to protect him, to care for him. It's the place, Cherith is the place of preparation. Cherith actually means cutting away. It's a place that God has brought Elijah before what's to come. There's a confrontation down the line. There's a war to be won down the line. There's a battle to be had down the line. But God says, before you get there, let me deal with some things. Let me cut some things out of your life. Let me bring you close to me. Let me get you away from everyone else. All of the noise and all of the disagreements and all of the anger and all of the lawlessness that's in the land of Israel. Let me bring you to a place and let me just work on you, mold you. Cherith means the cutting away of the flesh, the receiving of the spirit. Has this not been where we have been, church? For months and months, it's as if God has had us hidden. He's had us completely alone. Cut away everything that could have once been our other idols. Entertainment is gone. Parties are gone. Sports is gone. Everything's gone. And here we are, but I'm here to tell you, God is working on us in this place. And you might say, well, it's very difficult. Uh, Agreed. Surgery is always difficult, but it's always necessary. Right now, we as a people, individually and as a church, we're going through spiritual surgery. You might say, well, it's been very difficult the past seven months. I hear you. It really has been. Has been for everyone. But I want you to know that this process has not been for nothing. This process has not been purposeless. This process has been for your preparation. We're going to come into a season that I think is going to get a little bit bumpy. It doesn't matter who's elected in November. It's going to get bumpy. But the reality is, We are not here based on that. 
We are here to be the church of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God. We are here to represent him, be the hope for the world. We know how to pray. We know how to have faith. We know how to move in the spirit. So God is preparing us for when the world needs us. When the Son of Man comes back, will he find faith? Will the church be there ready to serve, ready to love, ready to pray? Hear me. Awakening church, what I'm saying is now is the hour where God is calling you to come close to him, that he can deal with the things in you because you are necessary for the season ahead. Your faith is necessary. Your prayer is necessary. You say, well, I got nothing to give. Don't buy into that lie. You say, I've had a difficult time. That doesn't mean you're not chosen. In fact, maybe even the emotions that you've been wrestling with or the addictions that have flared back up, all has been God bringing you to the place called Cherith and say, this is what I want to cut away. This is what I want to deal with. Why? Because he's chosen you, and he loves you, and he's going to use you. He has not forgotten you. The difficulty, the process shows that God loves you, he's for you, and he's bringing you away from the flesh, close to his Holy Spirit. Right now, the church is in a season of sifting. But you and I, we are in a season of sifting. We are in a season of being moved. We are in a season of, of separation. You know, when, when Jesus was showing up on the scene, John the Baptist says to everybody, he says, hey, the one that is to come, he has a winnowing fork in his hand, and he's going to separate the wheat from the chaff. And the chaff he's going to throw into a place to be burned. What he was saying is that Jesus is coming. And he's coming to expose some things. He's coming to create a divide, a separation. The wheat, which is nourishing, which can be, you know, Jesus is the bread of life. That comes alongside Jesus. That will remain. But the dead, lifeless husks of dead religion, of idolatry, the lifeless husks of faithlessness. Jesus says no more of that. See, one of Jesus' purposes was to expose the truth from the lie and get the junk, the chaff, the lifeless parts of us out of our life and what leave, leave nourishment, leave the things that God wants in us and through us and on us. It's, it's, it's been long time, it's been a long time coming for God to remove the dead things from your life and from the church. The doors are closed. The systems are broken down. And I just, I, I want you to understand this season we've been in has been a necessary one. Why? Because God says, I want a church that's fully dedicated to me and not culture. Spirit and not flesh. This is where we've been the last seven months. We've been in this place where God is removing the unnecessary from the church, from your life. He's been removing the lifelessness. And you might feel like, well, I'm being torn apart. That's what sifting is. That's where the phrase comes from. You tear apart the lifeless things, and it's painful in the process, but it's purposeful for the design. I believe that God is calling his church into a mighty new place, and all of the difficulties of the past were all to get us to the place where we say, the world has nothing for us. We need Jesus. And that's my sermon. That's my whole message. I know it's simple. But I really believe that the depths of it is something that we've had to experience. It, it hasn't 
hasn't been theoretical. God has had to get us to the place where the world has nothing for us anymore. Jesus alone is our bread of life. He's the water for our thirsty soul. Jesus in Jesus alone. That's what the church is all about. That's what preaching is all about. Faith. It's about Jesus. He's the only thing that truly, truly matters. And I pray he's calling you back to himself. We find another young man that's in a similar place as Elijah, a man named Gideon. What he's doing is sifting grain in a hidden place. It's almost an exact parallel. He's sifting grain, and an angel shows up and says, Oh, mighty man of valor. And he says, You got to be talking to someone else. Here I am hiding in a dark place, trying to get just a little bit of food to take care of my family. This isn't, this isn't very virtuous, this isn't filled with valor. But see, the Spirit can see what's in you more than just your physical. He can see your calling. He said, no, I've chosen you to rescue Israel. And, and, and so now Gideon has received the call. Make no mistake, by the way, that God does use people to take part in his great plans in rescuing nations. And I believe God is, God's desire is to rescue America. He does not hate our nation. He is not against our nation. And I pray that God's spirit shows up to his church. Gideons, stop hiding in fear. Nervous. The Midianites came in cycles. Every time there was a harvest, that's when the Midianites came to to take their hard work. And so the Midianites is a picture of of, of spiritual cycles or addictive cycles. And more and more, it's, it's putting them into a place of oppression where here we find this young, strong man hiding in a hole. And it's, it's such a picture of, I think, where the church has, has kind of been. We've been afraid, fearful, silent of the world. Well, what if they don't accept us? Well, what if they don't love us? Well, what if they don't come to church? Well, what if I'll be a poor witness? And in the end, we are living under an oppressive state, a supernaturally oppressive state, and we're not really knowing how to pray. We don't want to be perceived as weird, and we, and we really don't want people to leave the church. And so God has had to say, shut the doors, close it down, until you're going to receive my call, hide. But I don't know about you, I'm sick of hiding. I'm ready to pray. I'm ready to preach. I'm ready to show up. I'm ready to act. I'm ready to serve. I want to do more than post Insta clips. I want to do more than post quotes. I want to do more. I want to do more than complain. I want to do more than vote. I want to bring change. Radical, powerful, supernatural change. The kind of change that only an eternal God can bring using, yeah, imperfect, imperfect people. Hear me, church. You're a Gideon. And the Holy Spirit wants to use you. In a mighty way. And the current reality might not reflect that. The current reality might not reflect your call, but you're still called. And you say, well, I screwed this up, and I screwed up my marriage, or I screwed up my calling, or I screwed up my direction. Come back to the Spirit of God right now. Say, Jesus, I repent. Will you forgive me? Get me back on track? In one moment, God's ready to use you, forgive you, walk with you. I wonder if God has even allowed it. I'm not saying he has caused the judgment, but I am saying that God will use all things 
together, even for our own good. I mean, think about when Elijah is in Cherith. Here comes the ravens. Ravens were unclean animals in the Jewish religious system, but the ravens brought him bread. I wonder if God has used, through this whole process, unlikely people in unlikely situations that you would have never, ever thought to come and bring blessings into your life. God is for you, not forgotten you. And he comes and he says, now it's time to step up, though. It's time to raise an army. It's time to fight back. It's time to begin to push. No longer should you live under spiritual oppression, fearfulness, nervousness. What if they don't accept me? What if they mock me? What if they throw it off? Well, I'm unsure. God came to Gideon and he says, I'm here to do something with you. I've chosen you. He's chosen the church. And he is sifting the church and separating the flesh from the spirit because he's going to use us. So what's the first thing that he removes? Well, we find that he, in a, um, sorry, I don't, I don't have the, 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 uh, the verse there, but you got it for me. The Lord said to Gideon, the people with you are too many for me. That doesn't make sense. We're trying to raise an army. But God says, no, if you have me, you've got an army of one. God's like the supernatural Hulk. You have too many people for me to give the Midianites into your hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying my own hand has saved me. But look at the next verse that he says. Now, therefore, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and trembling, who's nervous, who's filled with anxiety, who's had enough, who says not me, is that you? Whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from the battle. Then 22,000 people, they went home. 10,000 remained. Just like that, Gideon lost all of his physical strength. He lost all the odds. Just like that, there was a separating, a sifting. But God says, why? Because I'm going to do something supernatural. You see the allegory that I'm trying to paint? What we have been in is a sifting, but what's coming is a supernatural for your life and for this church. And it might get worse before it gets better. There might be battles. Certainly there will be a supernatural war. And it's coming on this nation. But this supernatural war was not meant to be lost. Jesus says, take heart, for I've already overcome the world. He needs people to join with him and begin to pray, have faith, begin to push, because we are called not to live under fear, but live under faith. Because the spirit of fear cannot coexist with the spirit of God. Remember what he says to Timothy, 2 Timothy, he says this, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. You can experience fearfulness, but that's different than having a spirit of fear that gets on you. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. One of the things that God wants to sift from his church and from his people is a spirit of fear. No longer will you operate under that spirit in accordance with your finances, in accordance with your future, in accordance with your children. I declare in the name of Jesus that fear comes off of your mind. It comes off of your life. I pray right now in agreement with all those that do not want to live under the spirit of fear. I pray in agreement with you right now that the Holy Spirit will invade your home will invade your body and your mind that the spirit of fear can no longer coexist with that Holy Spirit. We give the Holy Spirit preeminence in our homes, in our houses, and the church of Jesus Christ. This is what God 
came to sift out of the church. He came to sift out a spirit of fear and replace it with the spirit of God. Fear undercuts faith. Fear has no place in God's army. Right now, the spirit of fear is trying to come over our entire nation. In our streets, through our news, on our timelines, it's all fear all the time. There's so much fear, we're used to it. You almost don't even want good news. Scroll right past that. We're trying to figure out what new threat is there. Almost waiting for the next thing to be fearful of. We're so used to the dopamine hit of fear, we almost even search for it. Like it. Spirit of fear is trying to cover our nation, trying to cover our children. It hides itself under the guise of wisdom. But if you look underneath the cover, it's not wisdom, it's just fear and more fear. That spirit of fear, if it's not on you, it tries to get on you and scare you into acquiescence. And if you disagree with the spirit of fear, of course you become the enemy. If you won't walk around nervous, triple masking that little visor, if you're not always scared about the next thing that's going on, that spirit of fear will try and bully you because fear is a bully. Fear is a bully. That's what one of the tactics bullies try and use is get you to be nervous. But God has not given you a spirit of fear. It's just not on you. It doesn't have to be on you. It doesn't have to be on his church. The goal of the enemy is to get a spirit of fear on the whole nation to get us all to fall in line. To get a fall in line mentality. Don't say anything. Don't disagree. Don't have an opinion. Don't have faith. Don't have hope. Things will never get back to normal. Get used to it. It's all fear. But that's not my spirit. That's not your spirit. Just the fact that it, it's not your spirit might agitate the spirit of fear in other people. But so be it. Do not allow the spirit of fear that's trying to come from the enemy to get on you. Jesus says this in Isaiah. God says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Church, I feel from God that it's time to break the fear of man off of us. Hebrews 13, 6 says, So we can confidently say that the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What can man do to me? God says, do not fear man who can burn the body. Fear God who can burn both body and soul in hell. We're called to fear God, not fear culture, not fear man, not fear future. I pray that the church, through this whole process, has had the fear sifted out of it. I'm so proud of everybody that has been showing up physically to church. I think it's a step of faith. I think it's amazing. I'm proud of you. I think, I understand that you might do it with a little bit of trembling at first, but the faith begins to build on you. I think it's an awesome thing to see the church step forward. I want to thank all of you that have showed up and served at We Heart Lives. We're giving out food. That's faith, not fear. And it, it brings you in alignment with a long lineage of people that have served during plagues and pandemics, going all the way back to the beginning of the church. That's faith. For all of you that have been praying, pushing through all of this, 
not allowing fear to silence you, thank God. And I just want to say, as a church, our goal is not to be accepted. We're not going to be perpetually fearful of other people's opinions. We're not going to consider what they would call us over our convictions or our beliefs. We're going to fear God, not man. I don't know why it took this long. I just think maybe in the process of losing everything, it's like, what else are you going to take? Are you going to take my YouTube channel? What, are you going to leave a mean comment? We're not afraid anymore. Get the spirit of faith on us. We're going to pray. We're going to trust God. But we're not going to try and please everybody. We're not going to form our beliefs to fit in with a society that hates God. We're not going to become heretical just because we want to be relevant to a culture that calls good evil and evil good. We're going to say the truth. What, are you going to unfollow? You know those people that post, like I posted this post and six people unfollowed me. Who cares? Who cares? Speak your truth. I don't even know how many people are following you. What's with the inward focus? What's with the self-obsession? so strange. Church, people of God, stand up, speak out, state your opinion, have your beliefs, don't be afraid, cancel culture, cancel culture, has no say in your life, who cares, I don't know, I don't know how you feel, but I feel like I'm no longer going to try to be accepted by people that don't love me. I'm no longer going to be defined by people that don't know me. What, they're going to call you a bad word? What, are they going to call you a list of names? Stand up, church. Stand up for who you are, whose you are, who God made you to be. The reality of your identity is not found in the power of other people's words. Their list of labels do not define you. Their opinion is not truth. Christ is truth. He speaks good things over you, faith over you. It's time to find your convictions and stand on them. For Jesus says this, for whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. God says, if you're ashamed of me in front of these people, I'll be ashamed of you in front of people that are actually glorious and actually holy. We are an unashamed church, unashamed in what we believe, unashamed in our hope, unashamed in our excitement for the future, unashamed of what's to come, knowing that through it all, God's going to be with us. You see that God let the fearful go home, the complacent go home, but the few that stayed were God's chosen few. And those were the few that when they pulled the water up, they lapped, but they watched. They drank, but they watched. God's looking for the watchman. He's looking for people that are going to be watchful. The remnant will be watchful. God's kind of put this word in my heart the past few weeks. It's the word sentinel. It just, I felt it in my spirit. I don't know where from, but the word sentinel. And I looked it up, and the, the definition is a soldier or a guard whose job is to stand and keep watch. And I believe right now God is searching for sentinels. He sends the fearful home, he sends the complacent home, but those that are prepared for battle, that have the spirit of discernment, 
that have the spirit of prayer, courage, and faith, God says, those are the people I want to raise up right now. And I believe Awakening Church, God's looking for the faithful few. He's searching for the sentinels. Who has the discernment of spirits? You're needed. Who has the ability to have dreams and visions? We need you right now. Who has the calling of an intercessor and can pray for an hour a day? Who can fast? Who can speak? Who can lead? Who can gather? You're needed right now as a sentinel to stay awake and watch what's coming and protect God's people. Searching for this word sentinel and it only comes up one time uh, or a few times in scripture, but the most powerful time is in Ezekiel 33. And I want to read this verse to you. It's really powerful. And I believe it's what God is calling us to do as a church is to set a watch for all those, to set a watch for all those that we represent, our families, children, people around us. Ezekiel 33 says this, the word of the Lord came to me and said, son of man, speak to your people and say to them, if I bring the sword upon a land and the people of the land take a man from among them, make them their watchmen. Says, find someone and make him a watchman on the wall, a sentinel. Now look, look, here's the process. And if that sentinel, if he sees the sword coming upon the land and blows the trumpet and warns the people, then if anyone who hears the sound of the trumpet does not take warning and the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and did not take his warning. His blood shall be upon himself. But if he had taken his warning, he would, have had, he would have saved his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet so that the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes away, uh, takes any of them, that person is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. So you, son of man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. This is my point. The Bible says there's a watchman that he sets on the wall. And when he sees a sword coming, an enemy approaching, something that's going to bring division or hatred, something that's going to be used by the enemy, the watchman has to blow the trumpet, has to warn the people, this is what's coming. Call it out, even if it's unpopular, even if it's not advantageous, even if it's what no one wants to hear. If you're a watchman, you got to call it out. This is what I sense. This is what God's showing me in Scripture. This is what he's revealing to me. If the watchman doesn't call it out and the sword comes, the blood of those that he was watching over is on his head. Hear me, church. Right now, God is looking for the few that are going to lap the water and watch. He's looking for the sentinel that's going to be on the wall and looking for the sword that's trying to come against the people and pray against it, prophesy against it, lead against it. You might be saying, Jordan, you're speaking in, in words and pictures. I'm talking about the supernatural. Right now, there is a sword that's trying to come against the nation. It's trying to come against the church. And what I'm saying is, men and women of God, rise up. Cast off fear. Cast off the old. Rise up in faith. Be watchmen. Begin to speak over your church. Speak over your family. Pray fast. Push. It's time for the watchman. It's time 
for those that God has set apart to rise. Remember when Jesus was headed towards the cross, he said, could you not watch and pray? The word watch there is actually, when you study it, it actually denotes, could you not stay awake through the night? Awakening church, the night is coming. Stay awake through the night. Come on, let's pray our way through this. That God would bring a mighty harvest. That he would use us, not just to shout, but to serve. That God would use his people. Right now, when so many are searching for the creator, could God use his people to be bold in their convictions, bold in their faith, and begin to pray. We're launching something called the Sentinel Project. It's going to start this week. And uh, here's the goal. For the next seven weeks leading up to the election in November, we're going to have one prayer target a week. And if you're going to join the Sentinel Project, you're going to come alongside and we're going to begin to push and pray on this target as we go through. We're going to begin to pray for our nation, our people. We're going to pray for change. We're going to pray for God's mighty hand. We're going to pray for the church. It's going to be specified prayer targets. We're going to email a new one out every week. Pastor Steve's really taking the lead on this, and, and he's calling the men and the women to rise up. If you're part of the Sentinel Project, you'll choose a watch. A watch is just 30 minutes of prayer. You'll choose a watch every day and commit for the next seven weeks. I'm going to pray during this hour. I'm going to keep watch over our church, over our state, over our nation. If you're from around the world, join it. Pray. Keep watch over your state, nation, over this world. And we're going to ask for you to do one day of fasting weekly. And I would add, maybe some of you will even want to fast a meal every day. But do one day of fasting weekly. And you say, I'm going to commit to this for the next seven weeks. Why? Because God has sifted out the old, and I'm ready for the new. God is going to use us. He's going to win a mighty battle. In the end, Gideon, with just 300 people, overcame a massive force of Midianites. How? Because Gideon was faithful, his men were watchful, and then God did a miracle. That's what we're praying, for God to do the miraculous. The enemy has his plans. The enemy has his schemes. But I believe that God, through the shaking, is going to bring an awakening. And I pray he brings it through us. So that's my sermon today. Simple. I pray it encourages you. That what you're going through is not by accident, not by chance, and not for nothing. But that God is going to use all of this to bring a mighty awakening. Now is the hour, though. This is the critical time as we prepare for what's coming next. You know, after Cherith, God brought Elijah to the ultimate showdown. Jezebel, all her prophets, the whole nation of Israel versus one man of God, Elijah. It was a showdown for the soul of the nation. And I believe we're headed towards that. There's too much spiritual activity going on to pretend that this is just any other year. There's a showdown going for the soul of the nation. But right now, we've got a few more weeks, limited amount of time, where God is still going to sift, still going to awaken, and he's looking for the watchman that will begin to fortify the refuge city of Christ, which is the church. So will you join and pray? Go to awakeningchurch.org slash sentinelproject. We'll put the link out. I'd ask you to just fill out that time and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray with the church. And I believe over the next few weeks, we're going to see incredible things happen, not by might, not by power, but by God's spirit. 
Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.